what's going on, guys? Welcome to the Just the West podcast. I'm your host, Just the West, and I'm here with my co-host, T-Up, on Wild Card Weekend. T-Up, are you there? Oh, I'm here. I'm alive, and I'm ready for some playoff football, baby. Yay, yay, yay. And Happy New Year, T-Up. How you been, man? Happy 2020. 2020 vision as we head into uh, Wild Card Weekend, my friend. Yeah, man. Um, had a great New Year. It's, uh, we welcomed in the, the new decade. It was uh, pretty good New Year's, kind of chilly, but, you know, spending with some uh, some friends. How about you? How was yours? It was good, man. Had a, a bomb-ass crab fest sort of dinner in the city, which is San Francisco. And then after that, uh, went to a buddy's place, a little house party up in the Sunset District. And it was good, man. Um I feel like I'm getting a little bit older, though, because as much as we partied and had our champagne and all that, we also had, like, three dogs, a baby, um, so it was a little bit more, a little bit more tame, per se, but uh, that, that comes with uh, growing up as well, T-Up. Yeah, I guess, uh, I think we call that adulting, that is- adult parties now, but I guess that's, uh, comes with the territory, like you just said, but... Yeah, no, it was... Yeah, yeah. That sounds delicious, though, man. That's uh, it's important to have a, a solid last meal for the for the years, right? It was good, man. And that that was the thing. We were, I mean, I was I was stuffed. I had crab, garlic noodles, like all the good stuff. And I think everyone was pretty stuffed because, like, when we started drinking, like after um, in anticipation for the new year, we we're just like, man, this is really hard, man. Like, you can't take a <laughs> like, you can't take a beer. Like, uh, maybe I'll chill on like a wine or something. I don't, I don't, I don't even know. It was it was harder though. Not to mention, like with, with that with that crab, and you get a little bit of that garlic breath too. So you get garlic burps. Maybe maybe that's a little too much information, but uh, yeah, man, it was that that kind of party. It's a crab party. Sounds sounds good, man. Was, well, happy New Year to you too. Thank you, thank you. Let's go ahead and uh, kind of recap what had happened in 2019. Not really much of a recap, but I just want to hone this down in the NFC West because um, you know as we went into the last week of the NFL season, which is in 2019. Um, congratulations to those San Francisco 49ers. They had an epic game at Seattle in which um, it's pretty much for the division, man. And so in controversial fashion, I, I, I suppose, but uh, the Niners won 26-21 uh, to 21, where you had the Seahawks goal line, you know, at the one, and then... Um, there was um, a delay of game. There was a potential PI call on Fred Warner. There was uh, a bunch of chaos. You had Marshawn Lynch going in, and they got him out. And then at the end of the day, you had fifth-round pick rookie Dre Greenlaw make the game-saving tackle right at the inches. And that's all she wrote. And the 49ers are your NFC West champions, which means that they get the number one seed in the NFC Conference. And that in itself will guarantee them not only the number one seed, but they get a bye week for this wildcard weekend. And so the Niners are not playing this week. They're going to play the lowest seeding outcome after this wildcard. So they could play the... Eagles, they could play the Seahawks, they could play the Vikings, they could play, you know, it's, there's a lot of what-ifs right now, but they get some rest, and then the Seahawks, because they lost, um, and it's crazy, because they have an 11-5 record, which is awesome, but they're going to go to to Philly, 
and play a 9-7 Philly team uh, on the road. And so that was a crazy finish to end the 2019 season. I mean, so yeah, but just before we get into wildcard weekend, I mean, uh, what are your thoughts on that game, man? I mean, just not even the whole game, but just that one glimpse of what I'm talking about, which was right at the goal line where the Seahawks drove down the field and you, they were at that moment to potentially, and I was kind of assuming to, to get the game-winning score. Oh, man. That was uh, that game was just such an emo- uh, emotional roller coaster. I couldn't, I couldn't handle it, especially that last, you know, the last five minutes of that game when Seattle was marching down the field. Um, you know, they set up. They were just, most of them was just making pass after pass. He was just penetrating that zone defense. I know it wasn't looking good, and then they came up to the one-yard line. I uh, thought, all right, for sure, this is, you know, in my back of my head, I didn't want to say out loud, but I was like, all right, this is pretty much over. going to live with it. And then delayed game happens. Like, I don't even know what's going on anymore. Then they get back up to the six-yard line, then four tries, and Drake Greenlaw with a huge block on Hollister. Oh, man, I, I just... I was standing up, I was sitting down, I was jumping, I was yelling. I don't, it, was just, it was a crazy match, but that was, I mean, I guess that's the best way for the NFL to go out in the last regular season game of the season. Um, you know, great game. Both teams, they showed why they deserve to be in the playoffs. Um, you know, I, I truly believe that Seattle and the Niners are, are evenly matched. Um, both are dealing with their injuries and both have, um, they're dealing with their own issues, but that was, it was just a great matchup. Yeah, man. All in all. I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. That was probably, I thought the Niners-Saints game was like the game of the year, and I thought even before then, the Niners-Seahawks on Monday Night Football was the game of the year, but no, this one, all right, for the third time, this was the game of the year. It was... It was pretty epic, Oh, man. for sure. It was pretty epic, so. Um, that's how we end off the 2019-2020 regular season in the NFL. And so, with that being said, you know, you get a couple accolades coming around, too. Um, and they just announced it today for the AP, Associated Press First Team All-Pro, Second Team All-Pro. Those teams were announced, and that's kind of like, um, it's what they do, like, you know, for... For all sort of sports, like the NBA as well. But what makes this pretty important is because, I mean, for these positions, I mean, for like, if you get first team all pro as a quarterback, there's only one quarterback spot. Uh, and that's pretty awesome. For Lamar Jackson, for example, from the Ravens, he got that and well deserved. He's probably going to win the MVP award as well. Um, but let's talk about some of the accolades and recognition within the NFC West. You have uh, first team all pro, the people's tight end from the Niners representing San Francisco. You have George Kittle. Big spot out to him, just because even for uh, pro football focus, he had, I think it was like, he was like a 95 and elite grade, probably the highest pro football focus rating um, in that era. Um, so that's that's a big major up to Kittle. You have Bobby Wagner. I do want to... Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I do want to add that Kittle, he did surpass Gronk in the TFF grade for best tight end in the NFL. That is correct. So when I say best ever, I say period, like in the era of PFF doing their grades. So he he beat out Gronk. Uh, I think Gronk had like a 93 
So not by much, like but that. man, that's just it's just crazy because Kittle, um, similar to Gronk, is one hell of a blocker, and both as a receiver too, just makes a major impact on the game. And but by the way, I think this is what his his third year in the league. Third year. Crazy man, crazy. So keep doing your thing, George Kittle. Bobby Wagner, linebacker, mainstay for, for the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, I was surprised, but not surprised. Uh, another awesome season for him. I think he led the team with about 130 tackles, per usual. You know, usual shit for him. Just keep doing your thing, Bobby Wagner. And it was crazy, too. It's crazy, man. I remember him, Patrick Willis, back in the day, too. He's, but Wagner right now, he, he remains the best middle linebacker in the game. Uh, onwards, Chandler Jones, Chandler Bones Jones, well, his brother's Bones, but Chandler Jones, Arizona Cardinals, uh, he had 19 sacks for this year, and this is another down year for the Cardinals, but he's been one of the few mainstay highlights on this defense, on this team, uh, to be quite honest, and you know, for him to keep doing his thing um, and to be this productive, I mean, it doesn't really matter about the team he's on, I know he was on the Patriots before, Cardinals now, um, but he's one of the few players where, you know, when the Patriots trade off a player, that said player usually um, declines in play, and you know the Patriots feel good about it. But you no, know, Chandler Jones is he's brought it every effing season, man. Shout out to Chandler Jones with his 19 sacks. Lastly, um, another pro football focused darling the last couple years, but defensive tackle from the Rams. Aaron Donald. I don't need to say too much about him. Sure, kind of like the Cardinals, they had a down year where they didn't make the playoffs, but it wasn't Aaron Aaron Donald's fault. He was doing his thing. Uh, he didn't get 19 sacks like he did like the season before, but you know, he's just as good. Like, don't get it twisted. He got double, triple teamed, and yeah, man. So I just look at that first team All Pro for the NFC West, where you have pretty much one representative from every team Kittle for the Niners Wagner for the Seahawks Jones for the Cardinals and Donald for the Rams uh tee up I mean do, do you feel that uh some more NFC West players should have been represented on the first team or um you know what are your thoughts on that um I think, yeah, I think we're pretty well represented. We have at least one representative per team. Yep. Um, I don't think any any other conference can say that they had one player from each team from the conference, so, or from the division. Um, so, hey, I, I hang my hat high on that. That's, uh, that's pretty damn good. And I think the record for our division kind of shows. I mean, we have a... Um, we have a wild card that's playing that had only four losses during the season. You know, it's like crazy. That's right. Niners twelve, or I'm sorry, thirteen and three. Um, shoot, I mean, yeah, Seahawks 11-5. Rams nine and seven, and then yeah, the Cardinals. Um, I I forget their win total, but they didn't. I think they're seven to nine. Uh, don't quote me in that. Anyways, crazy, crazy. Uh, just to conclude that second team. All pro Russell Wilson Seahawks. Um, he was actually, in my opinion, he's probably gonna. Uh, when you look at the results after this whole MVP voting, he's probably gonna get second place. It was between him and Lamar Jackson. He was uh, doing his thing early on the first half of the season. Uh, kind of, um, kind of came back to earth a bit with a couple of picks later on in the second half. But 
Nonetheless, Russell Wilson has been a mainstay for the Seahawks, and he's a big reason why the Seahawks are in the playoffs and are 11-5. and You have DeForest Buckner, and it's it's interesting because it's kind of like it's kind of like the NBA where um, you know first team versus All Star consideration. So DeForest Buckner did not get into the Pro Bowl as a starter, but he got second team All Pro, which is you can make a case that that might be more important than um, than Pro Bowl, anyways. And so Defoe gets second team All Pro. And then last but not least, and I'm sure we can talk about this a little bit more, but Richard Sherman of the Niners, not only did he get Pro Bowl considerations as the starter this year, but he got second team All-Pro, which means um, he got paid on all of his incentives. I think he got an extra 4 mil total in incentives, and so for the year he gets about 13 mil, which is top 10 cornerback money. And it seems like he's enjoying himself on those accolades, and he's saying, what's up to the haters? So, TF, I mean, overall, what are your thoughts about this? Second team, or more more importantly, just Richard Sherman, on his second year as a Niner, all-pro, pro bowl starter, and kind of telling all the haters that, hey, I was, uh, I was right. <laughs> I was right to bet on myself. Yeah, no, that's fucking awesome, man. I mean, I'll be first to admit, I dislike Sherman. Greatly when he was on Seattle. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think you were witness to uh, one of the Niner games where, <laughs> yeah, well, you're, you were with me in Seattle. But, um, man, I grew to love the guy. He's, he's good on on the field, great on the field, but, you know, a better person off the field. And, you know, he backed it up. He bet on himself, and he fucking got paid. So, good for him. He's all the naysayers. They could just. STFU and just sit back and enjoy the, enjoy the show. Did he see his rant on Twitter today? Like, he had all the receipts to all the haters that were uh, calling him out uh, earlier when, oh, yeah. he, when he got first signed as a free agent to the Niners, right? Oh, yeah. Definitely saw that, and that was just amazing. He just, the piece, I think it started like, a, hey, fans, give me all the, give me all the receipts. I want to see them. And it was just, it was just flowing all day, and I think it still is. That you log on to his Twitter, you can see all his Twitter replies and his retweets. It's awesome, and I, I, I feel great for the guy. He bet on himself. Seattle let him go um, because they didn't think he was going to recover from that injury, but he turns out to be, you know, arguably top three best quarterback, maybe top two with Stephen Gilmore, uh, best quarterback in the league right now. Crazy how things go. Uh, and for those that forgot, I mean, his last game with Seattle, he uh, he ruptured his Achilles, given his, he's getting up there in age, and given that he wasn't the most athletic cornerback to begin with, there were a lot of question marks about how effective he would be moving forward. And last year, you know, he had a solid season, but he noted that he wasn't 100%, and that this upcoming year, which is the 2019 season, that he'd be back at 100 and healthy. And the results speak for themselves. So, shout out to Sherman. I think it goes to show, you know, like if you're a veteran and you know technique and you have it down and you have good instincts and, and anticipation, Yeah. I think that somewhat supersedes physical ability. Obviously, you know, you need to be strong, you need to be fast to keep up with the wide receivers. But if you're able to anticipate the ball and know your zones, know your reads, 
you know, it just goes to show like he, he keeps he's proving all the time wrong. You're absolutely right, man. And you see, like, even other sports, too. You can look at, like, the later years of, like, Jason Kidd or even Vince Carter or some other players where their athleticism does wane. Um, I mean, shoot, even for quarterbacks, Tom Brady right now, obviously. um, Yeah, I mean, you don't necessarily have to be the most athletic, but even Drew Brees, who is also the, um, I mean, shoot, they got the number two seed right now. Age is a factor, but I mean, if you're if you're that smart and that aware in the game, I mean, that can put you a, a long way uh, to having mm-hmm. a very successful career. That's for sure. And I think you know, like you, as you age, and I think a part of maturity is being able to evolve with knowing your body and not pretending to be, you know, pushing your body to a limit that you're no longer capable of. And I think me and you, we know that most. Like we both. We love to play basketball, but we know we can't run with those high school kids anymore, right? right. So we kind of evolved our game into something more that caters to our physical abilities, and we're still able to run with them. Yeah, thank God for having a jump shot. If we, if we didn't have jump shots, I mean, it would be really hard. Like, there are things that you have to do to adjust to the game, and um, to your point, I mean, experience matters, man. Experience matters. So. Good job, Sherm. Yes, sir. you listen to our pod. okay let's go ahead and transition to the next thing at hand though so we talked about you know obviously the way things finish in the mc west some uh some accolades for all pro and now let's get into the matchup at hand because we're going to wild card weekend and there's only one matchup in the nfc west and it is your seattle seahawks who are 11 and 5 but they didn't win the division so they're going on the road for an east coast game on sunday at 1.40 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And they're going to Philly. They're going against the Eagles, who I mentioned before, are 9-7. And, and they won the NFC East division. Sorry, Cowboy fans, but uh, you guys are at home. So take a seat. But both nice these... spot on the couch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right over here. Right, you sit right there. You sit right there. And let's just watch some wild card football. Right there. Can you get the potato chips for me? It's great. It's great, man. And so you look at this matchup, specifically, the first thing that I think is just for both of these teams, they made it to the finish line. They finally made it to the postseason. But uh, lo and behold, they are, I mean, they are injured as fuck, man. Okay. They have a ton of injuries on both sides. And so right now the Seahawks are favored by one and a half over under 45. And this is considering that the Seahawks are without their Top three running backs, so you have no Chris Carson, you have no CJ Prosize, you have no Rashad Penny. Um, they just lost Michael Kendricks uh, last week against the Niners. He tore his ACL uh, on a pass play against Kyle Juszczyk, so he's out. Um, their offensive line has been kind of shuffling up because Dwayne Brown, um, he might play this game, actually, I actually heard, but you know he's got a knee injury, and so he's going to be questionable to play and then you know to, to make matters worse too i mean the, um overall i mean this this team right now um is pretty they've lost their last three out of four games but they still have russell wilson and so you have that going for the seahawks uh conversely the eagles they won the division but i don't know who the hell is that wide receiver right now you have nelson Aguilar, who's he's well you know about his hands 
But everyone else on the receivers is is pretty hurt, man. You have, yeah, they're all hurt, dude. I, I think you have JJ Keo Whiteside and Deontay Burnett. That doesn't really say much. And their whole right side, Lane Johnson, he's questionable to play right tackle. Um, that's up in the air. Their uh, their right guard, Brandon Brooks, an all pro guy, he's out for the season. And so you're gonna have um, you're gonna have freaking um, Matt Pryor, their cornerbacks, they're all battered up too. Their secondary's been pretty bad to begin with. And so they're gonna, probably going to have, hopefully they'll have Jalen Mills back. Um, they might either use Avanti Maddox or Rajul Douglas. But you get what I'm saying, man. Both these teams have a slew of injuries, and so it makes things a little bit harder to project, and that's why I see the line being so tight. Uh, T up. I mean, just give me your initial thoughts on this game. I mean, the first thing I thought was injuries, but how is this game really going to go down, T up? I don't know. I'm hearing both sides. I think the popular pick, obviously, is Seattle, just running away with the game. And, you know, I'm trying to look at it from both sides, trying to make an argument for Philly. Philly is pretty freaking banged up on the offense. Uh, they're down to like their fourth string wide receivers. Uh, Zach Ertz, you know, he hasn't lived up to his, you know, his expectations, I guess. Um, Goddard, whoever that guy is, has emerged to be, you know, as the king in the red zone as far as Carson Wentz. I guess looking at it, Carson Wentz, he, he has been improving as the weeks go on. But then looking at his weapons, you know, it's hard to make an argument for Philly to, to actually do well in this game. And, you know, Lane, uh, Lane what's the last name? Lane Johnson. Lane Johnson. Him being hurt, you know, Jadavian Clowney, it sounds like it's just, just going to be decent. Yeah, man. Well, uh, even I even, even Jadavian Clowney, I mean, you know, he's not 100% either. <laughs> true. So. True, but you know that one week. But you know, there's always that challenge where West Coast team is traveling to East Coast. They're gonna play that you know late afternoon game, and it's gonna be cold. Time zone is gonna be all messed up. I think it's another Sunday night football game. You know, I mean, my gut, my gut tells me Seattle all the way, and Seattle's gonna come back to Levi. Well, and um. Gonna be but hold your horses, oh, though. Your hold your th- horses. I haven't even gone back to, to the prediction of, the, of this game, but um, to your point, if the Seahawks do win this game, I mean, why would they win this game? I, I think they would win this game for a couple reasons. Uh, first and foremost, I mean, the Eagles secondary is freaking horrible right now. They're all battered up. Even when they were healthy, they weren't that good of a secondary to begin with. And so as much as the Seahawks like to run the football, and I'm sure they are because it's going to be at Philly, it's going to be cold as fuck, but you need to find a way to get Tyler Lequette and DK Metcalf involved. You need to gauge them on the outside edges. You need to have Metcalf right up there um, in the red zone. You need Lockett in the slots. Um, you need some big plays out of your receivers because this secondary is weak okay so first and foremost you need Russell Wilson to make that the connection early and get in a rhythm on the passing game um, the second thing too is 
I'm going to be very intrigued to see whether it's Travis Homer, Marshawn Lynch. Uh, I, I don't. I don't know. Maybe Robert Turbin. I don't. I need to see what their running game is going to be. Uh, I'm very curious to see because it was kind of erratic against the Niners. Um, that is something to consider. And then you know, conversely too. I mean, uh, Russell Wilson. This offensive line. It's not the greatest, um, but it's. It's decent enough, uh, but I am worried because, you know, against this Eagles defensive line, last last time they played, I mean, Russell Wilson was sacked six times, okay? Uh, a lot of it was because of their defensive tackle and Fletcher Cox, but even their defensive line along the edges, you have Brendan Graham, you have Derek Barnett, um, Joshua Sweat. I mean, you have some, some pretty notable guys on their defensive line. That is... You know, if you look at all the positions um, for for the Eagles, that is their one position of strength that trumps the Seahawks. Their defensive line, their pass rush is way better than the Seahawks. But at the same time, too, I mean, I think this passing game can go right up there and and take it to, to the Eagles, right? Um, any thoughts about th- those those points I mentioned? Yeah, mm, the, the Philly, the pass rush is definitely solid. And I think that's what has been kind of keeping them afloat throughout this um, late playoff push. Uh, um, it's going to be interesting to see how they guard him. And any word on uh, on Dwayne Dwayne Brown? You know, uh, like I mentioned before, he, uh, he was co- he's coming off a of surgery. He didn't play against the Niners. Um, I yeah, let's see. Uh, where is he at right now? As of seven hours ago, by the Seattle Times, uh, he's still up in the air, man. I, I haven't seen anything. I do like their their running back, uh, Travis Homer. He's real shifty, and I think it, it's been, every time he gets the ball, it looks like he's gonna burst out for another first down. He has that that really that sense of speed, that burst that Seattle running game is uh, definitely known for, and. With one game under his belt, Marshawn Lynch, he might, he might be more effective this game. I am curious to see. About, okay, I just checked. Dwayne Brown, he's out. He's not going to play, most likely. He's probably okay. he's, he's doubtful, so he's probably not going to play. Um, but to your point, too, yeah, Marshawn Lynch, what he's going to do in round two, he got a bit of a swagger back, but he didn't. He still didn't play particularly well against the Niners. Um, I'll be curious. I'll be curious. So you, you had that. Uh if the Eagles were to win this game, so, I mean, this is, like I said, it's only one and a half points in favor of the Seahawks. I mean, if the Eagles were to win this game, um, the, they have their, their defensive line. They're, they're a lot better over there. Uh, if, the, if the Eagles are going to win, they're going to have to test these Seattle linebackers. I know you have Bobby Wagner. I know you have KJ Wrights, but the Seahawks, they typically like to play in their base defense. They don't play that much nickel. Um, they're one of the few teams that continue to use all their linebackers in base defenses. But keep in mind, too, that Michael Kendricks, he tore his ACL. And so they're probably going to start the rookie out of Utah, Cody Barton. And he's gotten a couple starts on the weak side. But, you know, he's not that athletic in comparison to Michael Kendricks. And it's going to be a playoff atmosphere. And so if I'm the Eagles... You know, you have Miles Sanders, you have Boston Scott, uh, even the tight ends between Ertz and Goert. Like, you have a couple of shifty guys in the screen game. And so I would probably test the Seahawks over there. 
I think that the Seahawks could be challenged over there on screens, tosses, stretch plays. And so that is something that the Eagles are probably going to try to focus on, especially when you consider that their wide receivers are all banged up. Um, another thing that I would really look, if I'm the Eagles, is just, I mean, their right side is all messed up. They're going to have to be very careful uh, to keep Carson Wentz upright. I know that you know the Seahawks pass protect oh, not pass protection. Their pass rush hasn't been the greatest in re- recent weeks, but you know uh, they still got to the quarterback quite a bit on their first matchup. Um, I mean, overall, I, I think for the Eagles, if they're going to win this game, they're going to get some big plays out of their running backs and tight ends on the screen game, and that they're going to get to Russell Wilson with their defensive line. Um, Outside of that, I think that both teams need to make turnovers. They need to make plays on the defense because both these offenses are kind of inconsistent right now. Uh, All in all, I I think it's going to be a very close game. It's going to be like a field goal type of game for me. Um, I don't know, man. Are we going to predictions right now? I don't know. Any other final thoughts before we get to that? I mean, like I said, I see pros and cons on either either side, right? Yeah, I do see it now. The pass rush is definitely effective on both sides. Pass rush is especially healthy on the Philly side. Philly is banged up a little, or, I mean, for the wide receivers, but Carson Wentz is, you know, kind of performing exceptionally, uh, exceptional at the moment. They do have Miles Sanders, which he's been decent throughout this uh, last few two games. And on the other side, you know, we have Seattle, Marshawn Lynch, Travis Homer. Uh, Russell Wilson, obviously, is able to extend leg, uh, plays through his legs. It's, you know, more in Vegas, they, I mean, they have a line at one and a half, so, you know, they, Vegas always has a knack <coughs> of smelling out the final scores. I mean, let, let me ask you this, too, because I think, I don't know, I, I think that both teams are evenly matched, per se, but I think that the Seahawks have better playmakers, and I say that because of you know, you've seen Hollister step up as tight end. You see Lockett. You see Metcalf. Um, you know, obviously you have Russell Wilson. You see a couple more playmakers than the Eagles. But then um, at the same time, this is a road game. This, this is tough for them. This is at Philly. This, is, um, this isn't this is going to be easy for the Seahawks. But at the same time, you know, the Seahawks only have one road loss for the season. Most of their losses have been at home. It's just... Uh, Interesting, yeah. It's kind of weird. Who would have thought that, you know, that the 12, they can't they can hold a, fade away those losses. So their only, um, yeah, their only loss on the road was against the Rams. All their other losses have been at home, which is the biggest trip. So mm-hmm. let me ask you this, up. We saw a couple times this season, and you saw, more importantly, against the Niners in Week 17, Pete Carroll, this clock management thing, I don't know what the hell happened for that delay a game ordeal, but you've seen a couple instances where Pete Carroll, uh, you know, obviously you should have ran the ball with Marshall Lynch, you know, in the Super Bowl, blah, blah, blah. Any, anywho, you, you see a couple of questionable things uh, from this coaching staff. Do you think uh, that will be a factor in this game, especially for a tightly contested type of game? I don't think so. I think... Pete Carroll, he's going to be, he's going to trust the run. He has even more confidence with Marshawn Lynch this game. Marshawn did have the most touches uh, between all the running backs at 
last game. So I expect him, his workload to be increased. And they know, you know, they, they need to open up the playbook a little bit and they, they need to get the run going. So will they be able to do it against a, a pretty aggressive pass rush with fleet? Uh, it's going to be very interesting to watch that. Okay. So, see both sides. Seahawks, Eagles. Let's bring it home. Give me your prediction. Obviously, it seems like you're picking the Seahawks, but what say you on the score? Seahawks, one and a half over under 45 right now. 45, interesting. I'm going to go Seahawks, Seahawks 27, Eagles. 24. Wow. Wow, T.F. Really? That's your that's your final score? That's my final score. Okay, because I, I can... I'll take a picture. I'll, I'll send it your way to, to put it on the board. But I predicted that it's going to be a tight game. It's going to be a field goal game. But I think that Russell Wilson will get the ball last and get that field goal for the win. So give him the Seahawks 27-24. Yeah, we're a match. We are. Are we a match? We are venom. We are a we are a match right now, my friend. We are a match in football heaven. Here we are, twenty-seven, twenty-four. Go Seahawks! And if that were to happen, guys, for those that check out the NFC West, that means we would get a rematch for the third time because now you have the Niners and the Seahawks tied at one apiece, and so you get them for round three. In the divisional round, which would be some shit. That would be, oh my god, I, I just, yeah, that would be too much, man. <laughs> if that were to happen, here, here we go, here we go again. That would be too much. So, okay, well, tee up. That's our predictions for the NFC West wild card game. But let's, uh, as we unwind for this podcast, just just for fun, for the sake of this, let me go ahead and give you some of the matchups right now for Saturday and Sunday. You know, uh, non NFC related. I'll give you the line and just, you know, just give me your final prediction to the score. You can give me some comments or whatever, but, you know, not as intensive as obviously what we were talking about for the NFC West stuff. But um, let's take it one step at a time. So Saturday, uh, 1.35 p.m. game, you have the Bills at the Texans. And the Texans, they get J.J. Watt back, apparently. He's going to play. And so the Texans are favored by 2.5 at home over under 43.5. Uh, what say you for this game? Mm, uh, I think Buffalo has a great chance. Are we doing final score? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can do whatever. Like I said, you can give, yeah. give a couple comments, yeah. but you can, you can just, yeah, you know, just run with it. Uh, let's go. I think Buffalo is going to put up the points. Let's go Buffalo thirty-two and 32-28. Damn, thirty-two twenty-eight. That's a high-scoring game. The over under The over under is 43 and a half and oh my god you have it at like 60 points. Oh shit. Okay. All right. All right. All right. All right. Um so you're putting on the Bills. I I don't agree with you on this one. I I know the Bills they're, they're tough. Um but I'm still not too convinced with Josh Allen. Will Fuller on the Texans, he's questionable to play. I hope he does, but you have J.J. Watt back at home. I think that's going to be uh, good for morale. So go ahead and give me the, the Texans. Give me uh, 28-20. 28-20. 28-20. Texans. Okay. Okay. All right. 
Five o'clock game Saturday, and this is kind of a skinny one uh, in terms of the matchup. Very intriguing. So yeah, the Tennessee Titans, who are they've been rolling the last couple weeks to, to end the season. Demarco Murray, uh, he had like what, like 170 yards last game. And he took the rushing title with like 1,500 rushing yards. Props to him. Uh, props to Ryan Tannehill, who might win comeback player of the year. He was a bust with the Dolphins, but he took over for Marcus Mariota, and they are in the playoffs. A.G. Brown is going to be slated to win Offensive Rookie of the Year. Um, so they have all a lot of a lot of breakout players that are coming out from this from this te- Texans. I'm sorry, from this Titans team, but they are playing the methodical Patriots, and the Patriots are a team where can't count them out. They've been struggling the last couple games out of the regular season. They lost to the Dolphins, and because of the loss to the Dolphins, that's why they're playing in the wild card instead of taking the number two seed. So you have the Ravens, the Chiefs at the number two seed, and you have the Patriots at the number three seed. And their offense has been inconsistent, to say the least, but this is the playoffs. The playoffs. So Patriots favored by five, over under 44 and a half. Let's say you did this tee up. Uh, what's the over-under again? 44 and a half. 44 and a half. Patriots favored by five at New England. Um, this is an interesting game, man. I'm, I'm very at New England or at Tennessee? At New England. At New England. Um, I thought New England was... Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Man, New England will win this. It's gonna be like a boring ass game, twenty six to like uh, I don't know, nineteen or something. Some stupid score. I mean, that's not boring. I mean, it's not. not I don't know. Twenty six nineteen. Is that your final score? Yes. Okay. Um. I would like this to happen. I don't feel too. Hmm. I think the Titans can do it. I think that if DeMarco Murray runs the ball really well and their pass rush can get to Tom Brady, um, they might surprise New England. I think that matchup-wise, this defense is ascending. This offense is getting caught at the right time. Uh, They're going to need some big plays out of their skill position players, which is A.G. Brown, DeMarco Murray, like all all those cats right there. Corey Davis would be nice uh, if if he were to get resurrected. But... um, you know, it's not the first time. I also can't really, can't really forget about AJ Brown. No, not at all. He's been he's been money. He's been money this past month, man. So, mm-hmm. you know, th- this this wouldn't be the first time. I, I'm I'm just saying because like it's not too long ago that like what Mark Sanchez and the Jets beat beat the Patriots. You know, why not Ryan? Why not Ryan Tannehill and, and the Tennessee Titans? Give me, give me the the Titans. 27 to 24. 27 to 24. There you go. Own it. All right. Let's roll with that. Last but not least, uh, because we already mentioned the Seahawks game on Sunday, but let's talk about the morning game on Sunday at 10 o'clock. So this is the highest point spread out of the wild card weekend. You have Kirk Cousins and the Vikings, and, you know, they're going to have Delvin Cook. He should be back and ready to go, but... 
Kirk Cousins, as I'm sure you guys all know, he has not won a big game when things actually matter. And they are playing at the Big Easy at Houdat Nation, which is the New Orleans Saints. And the Saints, for all their success, and this is kind of like, uh, I mean, it's kind of... It's kind of like the Patriots, but like you know, they had a great season. The Saints were thirteen and three, but they get the number three seed, and I'm sure they're kind of pissed about that. Um, the crazy part about that is if the Seahawks had beaten the Niners in Week 17, they would have their number one seed, and the Seahawks. Yeah. Anyways, so they wouldn't have to play this game actually if the Niners had lost to the Seahawks, but that didn't happen. They're both thirteen and three. The Niners have the tiebreaker over the Packers and the Saints. So you have the Saints at home to start the wildcard weekend in that same capacity as like the Patriots being the number three seed. And so right now, the Saints are favored by eight over under 49 and a half. So a much more higher scoring over under is like the, the highest point total of the weekend. Uh, what say you for this, man? Uh, I don't think Kirk Cousins has enough. I think Saints are rolling right now. I'm gonna go Saints. I think they're gonna. I think they're going big this game. They're gonna make a statement this game. Saints thirty-four Vikings twenty-seven. Thirty-four to twenty. So it's still within a touchdown, though, for you, right? Yeah, I say so. Okay. Um, you know, I uh, I kind of agree with you. I think that the Saints will probably roll. I I don't have any doubt about that. That they're gonna roll with this win at home. They're gonna be pissed off. They're playing really good football right now. Uh, I mean, shoot, they embarrassed the Panthers. Like, what? It was like thirty-five zero at halftime or whatever on their last game of the season. And so they have a lot of momentum going for them. So against this Vikings team, I think it's going to be no-brainer. It's nice to have Dalvin Cook back. It's nice to have Stefan Diggs, I'm Thielen. He's healthy and all that. But I just don't think it's going to be good enough, especially in these uh, conditions at New Orleans. So give me the Vikings 17. Give me the Saints 31. I think this is a two-touchdown game. Nice. I just, I just don't see it. Um, call me crazy, but I just, there's no way the Vikings are gonna win this game. I, I don't know. It's been good, Kirk Cousins, but that's just what it is, man. That's what it is. That's what it is, baby. So, T up. Any final thoughts as we go into Wild Card Weekend? Uh, as we go into 2020, the first set of games in the NFL season for 2020. Um, no, that's about it. Everyone enjoy. Let's, uh, let's see some playoff football. All right. Well, TF, I appreciate your time on the pod. And uh, to our listeners, thank you for continuing to follow us on iTunes or Spotify. Continue to follow us at Just the West via Twitter, Instagram at Just the West, and of course the blog www.justthewest.com. Until next time, we out here. Peace. Later.